Welcome to Psychopath in Your Life. This is episode number 82, and I'm your host, Diane Emerson. I'm the author of the book, Psychopaths in Our Lives, My Interviews. Today, um, if you're just catching up with my channel, um, I started out, people are like, well, who are you? I started out uh, about 20 years ago and created the first online support forum for victims of psychopaths. And since then, it's been kind of a windy trail. Um, Essentially, you know, years ago, I mean, forums pretty much went away as the mode of discussion. So I thought, well, what could be so hard about doing a podcast? (laughs) So... Um, so for the last year and a half, I, my podcast, the whole effort has been to help people to identify if they have a psychopath in their life. And why would I do that? Well, because most of the ones that are running companies and involved in our government and dynamics are never going to get a diagnosis. So, and also it's important to separate out the two. Do you have a, just a really class A jerk on your hands or are you dealing with a psychopath? because there's many different options, but you have to figure out the one. And so today, um, I did a several-part series about gaslighting on my podcast, and I decided that I would revisit it for YouTube, because starting with episode number 73, I came over to YouTube, and we just did an audio on that show, but starting with 74, we went with video. And the reason is, is that I thought, well, there's a... A different audience on YouTube and um, I'm still receiving a lot of emails from people finding my podcast who have questions and my electronic door will always be open for questions but here on YouTube it's a different kind of a thing because um, well because maybe maybe people here might get more of a sense of urgency about what I'm talking about but do keep in mind that this is going to be a long windy road so if you want to catch up, you might start with episode 73 if you're only interested in psychopaths basically in the world and how it relates to pedophiles and all those things. So, But I did get an email the other day that got me to thinking about why I should revisit gaslighting. And this is just going to be episode number one. <clears throat> I'm going to do it as part of a two-part series. And so if, you, if you'd like, you might consider hitting that bell and the subscribe button so you'll know when the second part of the show comes live. It could come live right after. It's going to depend on Daniel's schedule. So anyhow, so the thing is, is that gaslighting is important to know about because as a society, we're really getting gaslit. And it's gotten so bad that... I don't really feel like most of these people don't even need to hide their lies. I mean, they lie to our faces and then question us about, why don't you get this? Well, because you lied and I'm following your lies. So it's becoming very bold. So I got this email from a listener from the podcast, and it brought me to thinking about gaslighting in terms of both how it affects us adults, but how does it affect children? Do I think that these psychopath pedophiles are gaslighting these children? Probably. But anyway, so let's talk about it so that we're, we put the whole word gaslight into context here. And so let me read this email that I got that got me thinking about it. And what her question was, well, I don't know if it was a her or he, but I, I, I'm assuming it was a her, but I don't know. It said, my question is for those of us who stayed in the relationship. Is it possible for the abuser to change? Or are they better at hiding it? And if they truly do change, 
how do you heal, meaning themselves? I'm contemplating divorce right now because I simply cannot trust my husband. I have tried. I have spent the last year in counseling alone trying to improve this, and I think so much damage was done, it's almost impossible to reverse. Even with the past six years back together, he's been very good not doing gaslighting because she'd been listening to the other series. So can you do a video on the after effects for those of us that stay? How to heal? How to learn to trust that person again? And how is it possible for them to change? Well, first of all, um, I'm always sorry to hear these emails, but that doesn't mean I don't want to hear from you because I do read all my emails and I will answer them. Um, But here's the thing, um, and I get this all the time. It's like, how do I, excuse me, how do I um, stay with this person? And I have with intent during my podcast series, I stayed out of the healing part, but I'm not out of it forever. I mean, I will address it soon because I'm working up to it, but here was what my thinking was going into the podcast series, was that if I immediately came up with a path out, maybe by not hearing the other things about how you got got into this situation, maybe you might get out of this situation, but it's very common that people will attract the same kind of person. So if a psychopath got into your life on one hand, possibility another one may walk through the door. So I felt very strongly that I had to methodically lay out how they operate, and this is based on, you know, the 20 years of victim stories and then interviewing psychopaths myself. So how do we, so I felt like if I got into the healing too fast, then people would not um, follow the process that got them there. And I'm going through the same thing with this psychopaths and pedophiles and the worldwide abuse and stuff, because unless we figure out how it all happened, we're not going to make a very clear path out of here. So let's talk about gaslighting today. And and let me answer a couple of her questions first in case you're hanging there saying, well, why don't you answer her questions? Well, I will do the thing about healing down the road. And how do you learn to trust that person again? You never should trust that person again. Um, They've proven to you time and time again they don't deserve your trust. So, And the reason I shy away from the healing, I want to be in the information business. And... If I start telling you, yeah, divorce is a good idea, I don't know enough about you to say that. So I'm really here to listen to you and have, and I think when you write to me, just saying these things in writing can help you to start to see that, um, what, what your own situation is. So I will get to the healing part is my the long answer there. So this gaslighting thing, it's just a... Um, universal thing. I'm finding out so much from the people in the UK and Scotland, Ireland, all over that we have much more in common than we have that not in common. That's for sure as far as the parallels with our government, the top 1%, the authorities in charge. We really share a lot. So, you know, I started thinking because um, people would ask me, if I'm out and about, I, I, I don't want to talk politics with people, okay, because it, it, it leads down a road that I really don't want to go and I don't have time to go. So if I'm out and about and somebody brings up something political that happened in this country, it would be like, well, do you see that school got shot up or that bomb got thrown? I mean, you know, it's like we're, we're inundated, okay? The stress is just inundating. So what I typically would say, and um, 
sadly, people thought I was joking. When people would try to engage me in politics or something, I'd say, you know, I'm really glad that I'll be dead when all this comes to roost. And people just laugh and laugh and laugh, and I just let them laugh because really the, the, the fact is I'm serious, okay? I really wonder, and I wonder long enough, so I thought, well, just go to YouTube and start talking about it. So if you, it's going to be a windy road, so if you want to get on that, if you're not worried about a psychopath in your life, but you're worried about the impact it's had on society, and most importantly the children, then you might want to pick up starting with episode 73, so, anyway, so let me talk about gaslighting. So, what I always hear from people over the years is this thing about them being crazy. People really become crazy and they think they're crazy, but it's for a reason. They've been made to feel that way. So, that was a big question I had after hearing this from victims over the years about what did the psychopaths have to say about this gaslighting thing and, and how much of it is planned, how much is it spontaneous and all that to get behind it. So that that what led me to thinking about, I bet you they could use these same techniques on innocent children in care, foster care, wherever they find them, to entrap them because it's really a pretty pretty simple, straightforward process. But done over time, that's how they get you into that crazy mode. So Imagine being a young child and being gaslit by one of these psychopaths. So let's keep going here. What caught my attention was um, someone said to me, they, they wrote to me and said, this is the first relationship I've been in that I have this overwhelming feeling of being crazy. Have I gone crazy or is something being done to me to get me to have these feelings? I can now see how this person being interested in me was just a con. I feel really disgusted. Well, first of all, I know that feeling d disgusted is a very natural thing. I mean, we can all look back at different things in our lives, and uh, we can let that disgust also overwhelm our moving forward. So that, that, that's natural, okay? And everybody I hear from that's in a relationship with a psychopath talks about this crazy thing. But then they also will go on to talk about like this woman that she's trying to repair this relationship. What's there to repair? Um, see, this is where if you're kind and caring, we always want to think of the hopeful, okay? And that's that's great. But in this case, it's not going to work in your favor. So what I learned many years ago is that when we find fault with ourselves, we need to go in gently because we tend to be more abusive toward ourselves then we are um, thinking negatively about the person who enacted the abuse. So um, one, one thing I learned years ago is that we, when we decide to self-inflict wounds on ourselves, it really depends on what size bat we pick out of the arsenal. So with that said, this being disgusted, this being crazy, every victim goes through this. And as a society, we're, we're going through this a lot because... You know, you hear these people lying so much and you start to think, gee, I thought I just heard them say something differently. You probably did. So anyway, so always keep in mind that psychopaths seek out kind and caring people. Well, as a society, most of us are pretty darn kind and caring. I think in general we all agree on uh, more things than we don't. The problem is, is that we've been overclouded by all these other things. By being kind and caring, we've stepped aside. And the real abusers have risen to the top. So 
the kind and caring people, how they get in this position, okay, is because in the very beginning, and this happens with adults, children, male, female, it doesn't matter, is that what psychopaths do is they go into information gathering mode. So that's why people will typically say things like, I thought they were my soulmate. Well, you thought that way because of the bonding that took place. Because remember, this person probably listened to you like nobody else ever had. And I cover a lot of that in other episodes about why they do that. But they need your information because that's how they're going to abuse you. They need to know your hot buttons. And we even see this in politics now. They know what our hot buttons are. So they're there with an answer. But it's not always an answer. A lot of times it's a lie. So... Yeah, so you get this person and they're, you're talking to them and you're telling them your life story and they seem very interested. And so they're listening really carefully to you, okay? Just like these politicians have listened to us, but not really because they've already decided what we're going to hear. But in an inter, inter, not a, a interactive relationship, you will find these things happening. And remember, you were sitting there and just being a kind and caring person. So when this bonding starts is when the trust does. The same thing we trusted our politicians. Years and years ago, we elected people to go to Washington or wherever you guys are from to represent the people, right? Good plan. That hasn't been happening for many, many years. They, they don't represent us. So I don't mean to sound cold about it, but it really is a... It's really an exchange from your heart to this person who's getting ready to victimize you. So in the beginning, and that's where some of the allegiance comes from, because you've bonded with this person, and so you really don't want to hear later that they have set you up. So what happens is is that they're taking all this information, and the interesting part is that's where the evil really begins, is once they decide that you're the one and want to start extracting information because remember they need to know how to maneuver you so there were common comments about being duped feeling crazy isolated and pretty much as low as a person can go and there's a reason for all of this this is what happens when you come out of these dynamics of these relationships but we also feel it globally i'm feeling with we're getting very isolated in our thinking because we don't trust the other side. The other side doesn't trust us. You see how it all starts to work into that. Because I know in this country, we really only have one party, okay? They may have two different names, but they're they're paid for by the same people. So, so anyway, so it's really a very seamless action. So it's easy, and it happens to a lot of people. Over the years at my discussion forum, I think that... There may have only been about a handful of people who were dealing with lower-level psychopaths that ended up in prison and whatnot. The kind we're dealing with, they're probably never going to go to prison. So, And the more they keep us gaslit and running in circles, the less we're able to respond to what's going on. And, yeah, I feel a big urgency. I mean, if you're following politics at all, you would understand the dynamics of why we need the rainforest. Well, we just got a guy in charge who his intent is to get rid of the rainforest. So I don't think any of this stuff is funny. And I think that I have a certain sense of alarm about it. And I'm trying not to uh, really catch my hair on fire here, but that's what I feel. So why have the victims always talked about this feeling of being crazy? Um, Well, because they felt like they were the crazy one in the room. And 
how how on earth did we get from the information gathering stage when you first come in contact with a psychopath to the stage where you're feeling like crazy so it moved from one to the next one day I was watching my I love old movies and there's a one I really recommend you take a look at and it's called Gaslight and it was starring Ingrid Bergman and the late Charles Boyer See, I said a French name that I didn't blow. Anyway, so um, I think it was like 1948. But basically, that's where the word gaslight came from. So I started thinking about this when I was when I was watching this movie, like how all this crazy stuff that people are talking about all these years. And basically what happens in the film, it's a great film, I highly recommend it, is that it shows in detail the process that he went through, Charles Boyer, who was the new husband of Ingrid Bergman, to get her to that crazy point. So it brought me back to all these comments from victims over the years about this crazy thing, because I really had not put it together with gaslighting. So I kept thinking, how do how does somebody who starts off as a calm, rational, you know, somebody who's relatively successful by all means, I mean, they're supporting themselves, working in a lot of times and, you know, decent decent jobs and what, how did they get to this point about being crazy? And over all the years, I heard a lot about people talking about feeling like they were crazy, but nobody put a finger on the gaslight thing. So see, I kind of, that's why when you follow my channel, you kind of need to follow the process because it's not going to be a straight path, okay? So that was really baffling to me. And since no one had put a word to it, I started thinking, how? How did all these intelligent people end up, I mean, they, they came to my form because, really, they had nowhere else to go. They'd been shunned by therapists. They'd been shunned by their friends. They were isolated, and they knew something was wrong. So I started doing some research, and I came up with way more questions than I had answers, which is how things work, right? You have to absorb some information to know how to, what questions to ask. So I was really wondering, like, how does it go undetected? Like, how did these people end up in the spot where they're isolated, they're feeling crazy, they're bouncing around? And I wanted to look for something beyond what Wikipedia had to say. And I did. I even went back to my own discussion forum, because by now um, discussions had died down, but I just had this random thought about, where is this crazy and this gaslighting thing fitting together? So... I actually did a search of my own discussion forum because I was wondering why hasn't this word come up? And personally, I hadn't put the connection together either. So I did some searching on Google, you know, the Google machine, and um, it showed like almost two million um, things about gaslighting. And I thought, well, I probably should address it today a little different than the definition. So let's talk a little bit about the background of the term so we can all get on the same page here. In the movie Gaslighting, Gaslighting started off as a 1938 stage play, and it was called Gaslight. And it's the husband making his life go crazy. But how he did it was uh, because back in the 1800s, they used gas lights for their lighting. And you had to turn it on. So what it was, it was a husband's attempt to drive his wife crazy by dimming the lights in their home, which were powered by gas during that time. So see, that's where the word gaslight comes from. Then he denies that the lights were changing. So when the wife asked him about them, 
So it starts out as really a systematic psychological manipulation of a victim by the main character in the stage play. And it is also known by the name Angel Street in the United States. And the film adaptation, which is what I started referring to, was released in the 40s. I think it was 45, somewhere around there. You'll find it. It's not hard to find. And so I didn't see the play, but surprisingly, um, the play was in 38. I wasn't alive then. So, um, But that movie really will help get you the basis for how we came up with this term. And since then, I've been seeing it thrown around so carelessly that I really wanted to focus on it. what does it mean. So, in this story, the husband attempts to get his wife to think she's crazy, and he starts changing a lot of things about their environment, and insisting that she's mistaken, that she's remembering things incorrectly or delusional when she points out these changes. See, it starts very, very slow and very tiny. The, the law they look around the world, a lot of these things that 20 years ago we would have said were abnormal have become normalized. Not normal, but normalized. So anyway, so he's, then he's he's roaming around the attic. I won't give away the whole plot line, but he's roaming around the attic and he's doing different things for hidden treasures. And the whole time he's trying to convince her that she's crazy and offsetting her. So, you know, she accurately notices the dummy of the light. She was right when she said them. But what happens is you start getting told you're not right enough times and pretty soon you start questioning your own sanity. So see where that starts. It's a tiny, tiny thing. And you start to think, oh my God, I thought I saw the light flicker. Anyway, so the goal is to make the victim or victims question their own reality and be dependent on and be controlled by the gaslighter. That's where the dependency, the control, and then we move into isolation happens. So you start to question yourself in very small ways. So I had some really big questions, and my biggest questions were, do people who are gaslighting, meaning these, I'm talking about, gaslighting can happen with other people. I'm talking about gaslighting as it applies to psychopaths. I started wondering, do they know what they're doing when they're gaslighting people? I mean, is this all part of their um, modus operandi? I mean, is it with intent or is it just something random? So I, you know, I thought, well, there's something like the information gathering stage that I know about. And so I was wondering, are there, do victims really know? I already figured out the victims didn't know that they were being gaslit. They just came out with this crazy feeling, but no one had detected the process along the way. You just got this vague feeling of being crazy. So um, everybody was talking about this. And so the actual action of gaslighting is meant to give the victim the distinct feeling of being crazy. So if you're feeling crazy, you have gotten to that stage by actions meant to get you feeling crazy. I hope that makes sense. But it's actually a plot. And I mean, seriously, and it makes them even more susceptible to be controlled by the psychopaths in their lives. Because remember, as you start to get feeling a little bit crazy, people around you will sense you're getting crazy and no one sees the connection here. So you start feeling crazy, then you become isolated, and it becomes a fact in your mind that, yeah, I must be crazy because every other piece of outside information is leading me to this conclusion. So they get you to feel crazy, and then down the road, it's leading to control. 
because the number one thing about psychopaths is control. And so when I started writing my book, I had these three psychopaths and uh, that I wanted to interview. And I was, first of all, before anybody starts commenting, I only interviewed these psychopaths in writing. And the reason is because psychopaths mimic behavior. So I didn't want any of them to have access to my own reactions to their words. So anyway, so I was very curious about the, um, when I decided to write the book and talk about from the, I had the victim side kind of sorted out, and then I, I didn't know how much the psychopaths were actually embarking on to do this all stuff. So anyway, so one of my questions that I asked the three of them was about gaslighting. And well, they all said they didn't know what it was. But the next day, because most of them I just entered, we exchanged correspondence once a day, except I had one wild card in there who was constantly talking. But anyway, so anyway, so they all went away and looked up the term, because I just basically said, do you know about gaslighting? And they came back with a kind of shockingly um, enthusiastic um, level of excitement. And they said, I may not have known what it was called, but actually... This is one of my favorite things to do to a victim. Hmm, okay. So here's a recap of the conversations I had with the psychopaths in my book, just so you see from their standpoint why gaslighting is important to them. So I first said to them, in all the years, very few people or really no one at my forum has really actually said the word, word gaslighting. I don't know if it's because they weren't familiar with what it was, or if it was a main thing that was driving them down the rabbit hole toward this feeling of being crazy. Or they would say they felt like the craziest person in the room. So I went on to say, do you think people or victims actually know when you are gaslighting them? And also, can you describe it and how you can do it and not be detected? And my final question to the psychopaths was, has anyone caught you gaslighting them? And what would you do if someone caught you? So these words really got interesting. And I wish I could change my voice. So please, I'm going I'm to quote some of these guys. So I want to be really clear that this isn't me saying this. This is a psychopath saying this, okay? And I'm not good at uh, even pronunciation. So changing the voice, I'll give it a shot. Okay. So this one guy said to me, he said, I didn't realize until afterwards myself. I think it is something that one will see in re retrospect once they are out of the situation. No one has ever caught me doing it. I honestly don't know how I've, I'd react if I was confronted. Not that I've ever expected to be, since most people are happy to live in their blinkering ignorance. If you ever think they care about you, that's what they think about you. They're your blinkering ignorance for not knowing this stuff. Okay, so you see how he threw in that blinkering ignorance as far as the con put down toward the victim. Um, so we'll discuss down the road what sort of arrogance, but that statement kind of says it all. And so not that I'd ever expect to be caught since most people are happy to live in their blinkering ignorance. So anyway, so he continues on and says, typing that, my mind landed on two tangents. One is 
accused him or her of projection. We're just throwing it back on the victim. And the other one was very sarcastic admission, like, ha, you copy. In other words, everything becomes a, a demeaning uh, viewpoint at this point. So what did I interpret from this? Well, they'd use, like they said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, okay, and use that as a passive-aggressive side of admission. So if you ever get them to admit to anything, it'll never be directly. It'll be in a way to put you down. And so their term retrospective, which I said to them, is consistent with what members of my forum said over all those years. The victims never mentioned gaslighting as the cause of their distress. Although it seems evident to me that's a huge factor in their relationship. When they do mention it, it's from the, <clears throat> this rearview mirror perspective. No one seemed to be able to express why these statements ended up making them feeling crazy. So what can I say here? I'd like to add to this. It's the reason people really couldn't say it was being done was because it was so simple and so small and so hard to detect, even though it seems so obvious when we're talking about it now. But picture yourself in that situation or think back. So one of them continued on with this. This is the psychopath again, not me. Much of this is in the rearview mirror for me, too. In many ways, as I'm trying to make sense of myself, my behaviors, what drives me, and what I am, and what I'm not. But from my perspective, I would say it is more about retaining control. Here we get back to control here. By the time it starts, I'm responding to losing control over the disintegration of the fairy tale that was a relationship up until then. See, they're talking about he's, they're responding to, they really amp it up once they see things start to slip out. So they refer to the relationship as a fairy tale. We'll, they'll explain that a little bit more. In a few cases, and this is, a, I always have to be really clear, <clears throat> I'm continuing to quote the psychopath here. In a few cases, the fake conversations or the punishment of somebody really vile, it goes beyond this. But for the most part, it's part of the act, the set, the backdrop to the main performance. I also want to reiterate that I do not think in terms of gaslighting either. That's the whole point. It is something that I only usually recognize retrospectively. So the psychopaths themselves see it retrospectively too. So imagine being in the middle of all this. As at the time, it is instinct, instinctive problem solving that only better add up to such behavior. This means that when I feel cornered and threatened, which you never want to do to a psychopath, I react in ways that may be considered gaslighting or designed to undermine self-confidence. Imagine how that would play in with a child, too. Well, that's really quite an admission there, I said to them. If you start to think about what they're saying is when they start to see the relationship shift in different ways, questions might come up. That's when they start to feel like they're being cornered. And we'll be talking a lot about that in the future, but for right now, um, it's actually pretty straightforward. Gaslighters and psychopaths want to make you feel crazy so they can control you. I can't come up with any other conclusion here. The more you start to lose control, the better they have effect on you personally. 
So once an abusive partner has used gaslighting to break down the victim's ability to trust his or her perception, that's the key here, they want to break down your perception of reality. And they want the, the victim is more likely to actually stay in the abusive relationship once they've gotten you broken down. And remember this, because the reason for this is because isolation is the end goal for psychopaths along with control. It's a very slow and steady process. Very slow. This could take, people have responded that things started to deteriorate after months and months and months. It depends on how sophisticated or well, um, well educated the psychopath you're dealing with as far as their ability to mimic behaviors. <clears throat> That's how they can hide from you for so long. So it really depends on how well trained they are. So I can't say it often. It starts off with the small things, and it gets into more larger things. So the main point is that gaslit victims start to believe their abusers. They believe their abusers' perception of reality instead of their own. You start to abdicate your own feelings of morality, your own feelings of right, because you're being tested and gaslit along the way. And you can also say, well, how'd that happen? And with psychopaths, we're talking about gaslighting at its worst. And it constitutes a severe form of mind control and psychological abuse. And here's where it gets confusing because people will say, well, you know, I never got hit. Well, psychological abuse can be even, I don't like to get into false narratives, but it can be worse because you don't end up with any visible signs because it's all going on in your mind. So they're never going to leave a bruise or a scar except for on your soul. So that's where we get to this psychological abuse aspect of the relationship. So gaslighting can occur in personal relationships, at the workplace, or even over an entire society, which is kind of hard to wrap your head around. I've struggled with that every day. But if you look at what's going on in today's political environment and what people are saying and everything that's going on, it could start to spill over into a larger and larger areas. I mean, they'll tell us things like, don't worry about the rainforest um, because you should be worried about something else. Well, really, when they start to tell us not to be worried, we really should start to be a little bit worried. So it's really done because in order to gain more power, that's what the psychopaths want to do. It's really not that complicated. They want power, they want control, and they get that by gaslighting you and isolating you. It wants, they want to make the, the victims question their own reality and actually lose a grasp on them, thus the feeling of crazy description. You'll start to lose it so slowly, and anybody, except, anybody is susceptible to gaslight. I don't care who you are. You're all susceptible. All of us are. And let me qualify that. If you're a kind and caring person, you're the kind of personality they're seeking out. They said so. I believe them. So that does make kind and caring people more susceptible. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's a common technique that abusers, dictators, and cult leaders use. And I, over the years, I've done some work looking into different people like cult leaders and that. And I, I've never found one that wasn't run by a psychopath. And um, the people, the followers, kind, caring people, they all unite for a common cause, but really in the end, they got a psychopath in charge. So while the intent going into it amongst the victims is to help save the world or whatever this cult leader is telling them, so <clears throat> all of them tend to be 
all these cult leaders tend to be psychopaths. Um, unless you know of some that isn't, then I'd be glad to hear about it. So I've never studied a cult leader who wasn't a psychopath, but, I mean, it just goes with the territory. Because their goal is what the psychopaths do, and their end goal is sheer control and domination. They want you to look to them for everything, these cult leaders. But also we're seeing the same dynamic in higher levels of the establishment. They want to control us by not giving us health insurance. They want to minimize the problems with children by not giving them you know, enough benefits or food. So they're doing it all kinds of ways here. But it all follows the same path. And also there's people who do what we call Ponzi schemes. And that's made at P-O-N-Z-I after a um, guy named Ponzi. And he did these schemes where he'd get people to invest great deals of money. And almost 100% those are Ponzi the, Ponzi schemes are run by psychopaths. So the victim doesn't even realize it. And what happens is, is that people start to get confused. They start to get anxious. They start to get isolated and even depressed. And they have, they, they really don't have a sense of what's actually happening to them. So that's why we had to get back to the beginning here because we knew what the result of long-term exposure to a psychopath or a psychopathic society, which we're pretty much entering into right now um, we knew what these behaviors were a result of but unless you trace it back I never could really figure out how it got started so if you find that your partner's making you feel crazy and accusing you of being too sensitive that's another trick they pull to make that crazy label stick so they'll say hey you're just too sensitive so they'll accuse you of that because they want to get to start you to stick in your mind that you're crazy and the problem might not all be in your head. It's really what's being done to, to your head that's making you get this very clear feeling about being crazy. So it can happen with your boss, a parent, or friends, somebody in your family, or romantic relationships. And in this case, I will add, or if you're a child. How, you know, these big adults, they really think they're so big and tough until they get caught. It's like, really? You're a big adult. you got to take out your sickness on a kid. Uh, don't get me going there. But anyway, so, yeah. So um, if you get these kids feeling crazy, just like you get these adults feeling crazy, no one listens to them. See how it all works all in a circle here? So they may something, you know, they d d diminish what you have to say. And they'll do it in just small little ways and things like, I don't really want to hear that again. And they start to get you going down. So... Once an abusive partner has used gaslighting to break down the victim's ability to trust, this is key here, his or, own, her, or her perceptions and beliefs. They get you to not trust all these things you believed in. Like, like with Pi, I'll get off on a tangent here for a second, the Pedophile Information Exchange Group. They wanted us to believe that sex with a baby or a child was okay. See, this is how gaslighting fits into this whole thing. So... Why'd you stay in that relationship? Well, we'll, we'll I'll cover that in more detail down the road, but you end up staying because the gaslighting, the effort is to control you and to isolate you. And once they get control, they're typically going to get you to stay. And they've already shut off most of your friends or family along the way. Any support that you've had has slowly disappeared. And trust me, then if you have a few people left in your life, and you start to tell them about how crazy you're feeling, well, by then, 
you're probably starting to act a little bit crazy. So it becomes this foregone conclusion that people will stop listening to you. And same thing that happens in any abusive relationship, adult, child, whatever, because they want you to start to sound so crazy that no one will actually acknowledge what you're saying. It's easier to ignore you. So the victim's likely to start questioning their own memory. Even if you're sure you know what happened, I mean, like, really sure, like, and, and that was another interesting thing over the years, um, besides this constant reporting about being crazy, was this feeling of um, that they didn't have any way out of it, and they felt like they had been put down to such a degree that they really, it starts to sink in. So every, every bit of support you have starts to disappear at this point, okay? Okay, this is... Okay, so... There's actually, the, the things at play here is, um, they'll say things like, you're wrong, you never remember things correctly, or you're imagining things that never happen. See, that's where you start to question things. So they'll start moving your things around, changing, and these were things, I didn't come up with, these were things that were reported by the psychopaths I was interviewing, I didn't dream up this stuff. I don't think there's any way I could, but um, they'll change your calendar around, um, They'll start to get you down that road because um, you'll start to feel un imbalanced. And it's also really hard to explain to people around you because the person you're with, the psychopath, just seems so innocent. They seem so caring. And they want to put you in that crazy spot. So they'll also do something like changing the subject to silence you. Or question how you're feeling, saying things like, "You're feeling, you're you're saying in this another crazy is this another crazy idea you got from insert friend or family member." So you try to talk to them about some idea, and they'll minimize you by saying another crazy idea. So minimizing is how they start to get you down that path, and it makes you need it makes your needs or feelings seem unimportant. They're constantly telling you that hey, you're too sensitive, or that you're not going to get angry over a little thing like that, are you? So they start, they start the minimizing you as part of the gaslighting process. So then they'll even pretend to have forgotten what really happened, or they'll even flat out deny promises he or she made to you. They will say things like, I don't know what you're talking about, or you're just making things up. And it starts so subtly. And I think that I lost a page there. <laughs> okay. So the whole idea of gaslighting is to deceive, decrease someone's self-esteem and self-confidence. So you are unable to function in an independent manner. See, when you get your self-esteem and confidence eroded away, it becomes very hard to have any confidence. So the person being gaslit will eventually become so insecure that they'll fail to trust their own judgment and trust their own intuition and find themselves unable to make decisions. And I'd like to spend some time on the intuition part because I mentioned in the past that the number one things that victims um, over the years have said is that they were being pushed aside, they, they pushed aside their intuition. 
Meaning that their first intuition. See what happens is along the way they're testing you, so they'll come up with things and say little things to see what kind of reaction they're going to get out of you. Okay, so lots of people reported this that their first intuitions were telling them that this person was not good for them, and they saw that red flag. So. They they try to put a whole lot of things past you to see where where are your boundary levels, and then they start to move to erode your boundary levels. So, you know they'll remove things from certain places and deny doing so, and it sounds so silly, but you but really it start to desensitize and confuse you. So one of the psychopaths that I interviewed, he actually would pound on the walls while his victim was sleeping to disrupt their sleep pattern. So you never know that it was guy was pounding on the walls to wake you up. He would try to disrupt sleep patterns or something that really a lot of it played into just mind control, okay? And so instances can range from, they usually deny, that the abuser or the psychopath will usually deny what you're saying because they need to deny it because they need you to be crazy to control you. So they'll actually stage things to get you even more disoriented and off your game. So it turns out that a very big issue And victims feel so guilty, typically, and they feel like they're part of the destruction of their own lives. So by all this negative reinforcement, as a victim, you start to feel like you also had a part in this thing. And so I really find that that's not true, because I hear that a lot from people. They want to apologize for what happened to them, but they didn't know what was happening, because that's really easy to say in hindsight. So... And what I try to say to people is you were sought out because you're a kind and caring person. You didn't do anything wrong except to believe somebody who didn't deserve your belief or your love or your understanding. So if you're dealing with a guy, like I mentioned in several episodes ago, there was this guy that I talked about. And what he said was this was a really low level uh, criminal type. And what he said was that. What he did on the first date was he would punch his victim. I mean, actually, punch him. And his thinking was that um, if you were, um, he would either, you would either, he would either have a victim for life or you would leave immediately. So that was his his method of sending out his, um, his victim. So, but we're not really talking about career criminals here. We're talking about people who are probably sitting next to you. So they know what they're doing. They have a plan to get you into that crazy place. It's almost like their plan is so solid. It's almost like if you figure out the outline, you would make it if you were doing a book report. They have it all down, A, B, C, D. They have this plan, and it's nothing to be ignored or... Victims will tend to take the position of, I'm not sure that he really or she really meant that. Yeah, they mean it. I'm telling you, they mean it. Um, and if it's if you're currently in one of these relationships, and that's what's drawn you to this show, try to evaluate this. Ask yourself, are you finding yourself apologizing over a lot of things? Things which really weren't even your fault, but you find yourself having to appease the situation? that you're doing a lot of apologizing in this situation? Are you finding that you can't make decisions? So down the road, victims will find decision-making so increasingly difficult because they live in fear of making the wrong choices. And remember, these are people who are educated, 
hold down really nice jobs, fit in with society, and this is the path they eventually go down to live in fear of making the wrong choices. Because they've been told that so many times. Are you feeling a sense of confusion or withdrawn? And if you are, it's probably gaslighting that got you into that place. Psychopaths want to control the people in their lives. But first, they need the information. They've got to get to know you. Like, very randomly, I mean, it's it's rare for somebody to... Um, um, the randomness of somebody like a Ted Bundy murders is very rare. They usually are somebody sitting in your orbit. So, you know, it's really a, a toxic mess. And so... No one starts out in a relationship at work or home thinking they want to be driven crazy. And a well-socialized psychopath can use these tricks on very successful, secure people. So that's what—that's why at the very end, people have a great deal of difficulty. Once they start to recognize there's something in there, something telling them that something's still not right, okay? And that's where it's really easy to move into the self-abuse phase, which is something to really... Um, think about because um, you didn't do anything wrong you just got in this situation so let's try to figure it out so it doesn't happen again so in order to heal we have to know what's causing the pain and I used to use the expression I guess it's from AA whatever about one day at a time and I really think that when you're dealing with a psychopath in your life hold on to your hat because you're trying to restore your own stability it's really taking it one breath at a time. One day at a time just seems too far out. So try to keep telling yourself one breath at a time. And one day might seem like a really long time ago, but one breath at a time I think we can all master. So I do that myself even. If I see myself starting to wander into a place that becomes self-abusive or whatever, I just take a breath and bring myself back to right here because I can't heal myself by bringing more pain onto myself. So it's really important to learn to look for these clues so these people, so you don't get trapped. And they're out there. And it's selectively, what happens in society is that in the end, like in the case with these children, um, the abuser seems to get all the benefit. Um, the person that's a victim becomes the crazy one. And that's where we get to all this crazy stuff. So... It's really a phenomena, and it's, it's. I'd like to give you some insight from Bill in my book before I close off here. And um, he was a more of a corporate psychopath. He worked for some big government place, and um, he really had some interesting moves. Um, but let's talk about what Bill said here, and that might help give you a different perspective from, you know, I've been talking about how they can take over relationships and get people, adults and probably children, to feel crazy. So here's what Bill said when I was asking him about the gaslighting thing, and he had a really good um, work story. He said, you hit the proverbial nail on the head on your comment about planting information. This is my golden goose. As for gaslighting, I honestly have never heard the term. I had to look it up. After reading the definition, I would say it is a tool I use daily. It is amazing to me how moldable memory is. Moldable. See what he's talking about? How easily they can control, mold, control, whatever. So he continues on. If you trust me enough and I'm convincing enough, you will remember an event as I told you it happened. 
You will even defend my version as the absolute truth. Even better, you will be outraged at the injustice that even put me under and rise to my defense. This compiled with ideas planted around, and I am now in the position to become the hero. I can, I can save the agency from a looming disaster that no one saw coming. Better yet, I can save the agency from the looming disaster that the guy in the office I want is causing. Pretty scary thoughts, huh? He's talking about he uses this to um, uses gaslighting to confuse the situation around the office and people that are threats to him are people who are, are in positions that he wants to be in. So, talking about the whole, it's really to start to mold and bend your mind. And it really is to get you to start thinking that the way they want you to think, which is to be controlled by them. And the ones in power have done a heck of a good job. i got to give them an A-plus on that effort because where were we when all this stuff was happening? So, there's a lot of things to go along with that besides the blatant lies, it's the outright lies. But they're telling you this with a straight face. Have you ever noticed these politicians, they have this way of being so serious and uh, I feel your pain. Well, really, how do you feel my pain? Okay, you're not in my shoes. So so why are they all so blatant? Well, once they can tell you a huge lie, you're not even sure if anything they say is true. It also starts to keep you in thinking off kilter. And lying is a really interesting thing because it reminds me of Joseph Goebbels, the PR guy for Hitler. And... He was of the thing that if you, um, his famous quote was, if you tell a lie often enough and with enough conviction and whatnot, pretty soon everybody will believe your lies. And I think there was also, I think it might have been Mark Twain who said that um, it's easier to convince a person of the lie than it is to convince them that it was a lie, which is where gaslighting is all about. So he was probably one of the first people to really acquire gaslighting on a um, global level would be Goebbels because um, the propaganda, you know, the Jews are bad, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into all that. But anyway, so um, it, it's how lies get propagated. And pretty soon it becomes folklore. Then pretty soon it becomes just the national idea. Everybody everybody now, group, group agrees to this big old lie, right? So even though... Um, people walk away feeling a little stunned that they're denying something even when you have proof. So remember, when you're dealing with a psychopath or gaslighting, which all of us really are, you're also probably dealing with a lot of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So everything everything starts to compile and cloud uh, cloud what reality is. So you know what you, you they said. You know you heard it. But then we seem to allow ourselves to get molded along the way. So um, I can't, I don't know. It, it's a really hard one. It's a really hard one because I think, as the kids were saying, maybe we're all getting woke. I don't know. So if you know how important these things are and you you start to come out of this fog, wh where do you go from there? Well, my feeling is, as long as we stay centered, let's talk about our instincts. So, um, they we we've got to start stop looking at other people who are really um, not doing anything in our best interest. So, I don't know. Um, 
I guess what I'll say here is that it's a sad thing. It's it's a way to break down your confidence. I can see how it works with kids and adults. I can see how it works in relationships. It's happening on a global level. And I'd like to continue this conversation. And uh, I have one more thing to say here. Oh, I have figured out how to... Um, I accessed an old Twitter account. Um, why? I, how? I don't know. But anyway, um, so... Um, we really do need help with social media. I figured out Twitter, which was a big deal, but I'm posting like our show link there, but I'm not expecting that I'm probably going to go over there and start chatting. But And I do post the link on our Facebook page, but beyond that, I don't know how to do social media. And actually, I'm not really sure that I'm, I'm not really convinced that I'm um, that interested in it. Um, this kind of work takes me all day long. So if you understand the message if you'd like to help spread the message please do and um because if everybody's waiting for me to do both probably not going to happen but i did run across one of those um, remember i was talking before about people who eat rations old military rations on camera and um i don't know how i ran across it i made one little big step this week i figured out how to um read your comments on um, the main control panel or something because before I was just spinning through to see which ones were not latest but um, so while I was over there looking somehow one of these um, ration eating videos popped up and it reminded me to remind you that this kid um, I don't know if he's a kid or not he has a show his face they, they open up these rations and then they lay them all out and then they take a few bites. I, I'm, I'm not really sure, but this guy is up to like 3 million views on just this one video. So I, I would hope to think that we would be able to gain as much attention for ourselves. So if you'd like to, if you'd like to consider hitting the um, subscribe button and the bell, that'll let you know when part two shows up. And we will be releasing part two of this gaslighting episode sometime this week. And then I will get back to um, going through how we got into this uh, abuse of children's state and how that became so normalized in society. So I really couldn't do this show without all of you because I really appreciate your comments and your kindness and you're willing to help overlook my pronunciations and whatnot. Um, you know, doing the best I can. So um, keep your comments coming. I learn a lot. There's a link above where you can contact me privately and you do need to enter your email address if you want me to answer you back. And you also need to test your email because I can just copy and paste your email to respond to you. But if you've entered the wrong email address, I have no way of responding to you. So do a little test and test yourself to make sure you wrote in all the right letters because I can't see your email if you use that box. And I won't answer you unless you give me your email and permission to do so. So with that said, goodbye for now. Be safe out there. And I'll pick this up on episode two sometime this week. Bye.